Welcome to another Sonic Talk. This is uh, the second one of the year, Sonic Talk number 345, which in fact, I've got a little something to play, quickly. Three, four, five. There we go, that's my little gag there. That's the Dave Brubeck 345 moment. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is our pre-show, pre-NAM preamble, because uh, this is the last week before we actually go live to NAM, because we're off uh, on Tuesday uh, for a bit of uh, NAM action. And it's looking pretty good in terms of the um, the weather for a change. Uh, and I have got guests with me. I'm going to say hello to Dave Spears. I haven't seen Dave for ages, who uh, is right there in his... Uh, in his room. How are you, Dave? Dave Spears, g4software.com, of course. I'm all right, thank you. Yeah. Recovered from mid-back. Oh, well, yeah, you had a bad back. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. All down to the CS80, I had to add. Really? How you suffer for your uh, collection? <laughs> we moved it up here the first time, and then it went wrong, and so we took it down again, and then we moved it back up. Both Chris and I were kind of looking at each other going, too old for this and then we both kind of felt our backs compress halfway up the stairs and, and I did something really stupid and yeah so that was it really ouch that does sound it anyway well guys I, I, I hope you're getting uh, Dave sorry I hope you're getting pleasure from it at least as a result and it's working all as you, you would hope so it's a beautiful thing it is a beautiful thing anyway thanks for joining us Dave looking forward to uh, talking to you later and uh, we've also got um, ah that's not him that's him. That's him. He's the one. That's the man. Mark T- Mark Tinley, uh, who's also with us, uh, like being... Oh, no, MarkTinley.co.uk, sound artist and uh, creative thinker. How are you, Mark? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I just to... looked on Wikipedia, and the year 345 was uh, CCC XLV. So do you think it needs an XLV connector or that mixer? Ah, uh, so, yes, I forgot about that. It's only a joke if you watched the thing that yes. I sent you the other day. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mark, um, and uh, good numerology as ever. And uh, we were going to have Gaz, that's where Gaz was, um, but that machine is broken for some reason. Sorry about that. So we go to Robbie Bronneman over there in Rob, uh, Robot Studios, uh, in his Red Robot Studios, looking very impish and devilish, up to no good, no doubt. I've seen, uh, how's, your, um, how's your Sushi Friday project going? I noticed that you were larking about with modular stuff. Or f- oh, it's going lovely, and got a full complement of modular now as you can see all the lights so are on all the gaps all the gaps are filled oh yeah that's Very better happy. than mine i've got i've got, I've got lots so uh, robbie of course producer uh musical director for howard jones live and composer songwriter well pretty much anything that you could do in a studio right <laughs> yeah the polymath as they call me <laughs> i've i've had one of them have you? Not sure, about oh, the yeah. os- not sure about the oscillators. Great filters, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Robbie, thank you very much for joining us. Well, as you know, this is uh, a pre-show, uh, well, pre-NAM show. Uh, NAM being, of course, starts next week on, well, it seems to start a day earlier now. It's actually starting on Wednesday because they've got a press preview day and there are actually a ton of things coming up. And there's a lot of rumours, there's a lot of other things, but uh, obviously there's been some news today of... Um, 
of a Roland nature. Uh, for those of you who uh, perhaps have been paying attention, this is uh, news that uh, not only have uh, Roland announced the FA06, which we had uh, we, we had in last week, and they were uh, we got Gareth Jones, who's the product demo Gareth Bowen, sorry, who's the product demo uh, guy for Roland, uh, came in and showed us around the new workstation, which is actually pretty cool. Amazing price point for what it does. It's kind of like the next version of the Phantom, uh, and it's got. Uh, lots of sample streaming pads so you can record you know that the, there's rat the ram in it is not limited by the actual ram in the unit it's limited by the the ram on the sd card it's quite an interesting idea actually and you can resample and do all sorts of things with it um and there's other stuff going on too but i, I don't know has anybody heard anything for now robbie you you've got your finger on the pulse you must have some modules you're looking out for at least yeah I mean, there's a couple i'm looking at a couple of granular things i'm i'm looking forward to to hearing about um but yeah i'm i'm kind of although i have i have made a promise to myself that i won't be i won't be partaking in any more modular stuff till i've really got to grips with this properly because you're going to need a new case and everything aren't you yeah no it's, it's just as you know one of those never-ending sprawling things i think how very adult of you to recognize that at this early outset I, I i admire your fortitude i will speak to you in a week or two and we'll see whether or not it's actually you've held out i yeah. suspect not well, I, 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 as I say, I've only I've only been scratching the surface with what I've got, and I've got, you know, my system's got four or five very different oscillators, and you know, so much stuff to kind of dig under the surface with. So yeah, I'll see how I go. Yeah, all right. Good luck with that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other th that actually, you know, on the face of it, that you know, because Roland Connect are always doing this thing sort of pre NAM, so there's quite a lot of stuff out there. With obviously, the Phantom keyboards, and there's been this teaser stuff coming out, um, which looks like it's something. And this is this is actually showed up on uh, Synthtopia, which is the uh, TR08. They're calling it. That looks like a, it could actually be a product shot because Roland did announce this uh, teaser video earlier. But, uh, you know, and it was all a bit more sort of vague, but somebody's got hold of this image somehow, which looks quite interesting. Um, and, of course, everybody's going mental on that. What could that possibly be? So, uh, well, it looks like it's probably a drum machine, but, you know, my well, guess... That's the reason, wouldn't it, they'd do that? It would, yeah. It'd be quite interesting to actually, you know, if they're going to go legacy way, that would be very interesting. Any other rumours for Nam? Mark? I have no idea about it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Mark, of course, you're waiting, I, I, waiting for the Analog 4 to show up, but I've, I've heard Electron are going to be releasing I'm not, something I'm new. I'm going the other way. I like what Robbie just said, actually, I, because I kind of made a conscious decision this year to absolutely focus on everything I have and to get really in, you know, more in-depth with things, like those thousands of patches that I've never uh -huh. listened to in Logic or in or in some of Dave's stuff, actually. I don't think I've actually gone from the beginning of one of his synthesizers to the end and listened to every patch and worked out what you could use in what. So I, I sort of feel like, you know, I need to go and have a look in my crayon drawer and see if there's any brighter colours at the bottom of it that I've missed. So um, I'm not chasing new things at the moment, really. I'm trying to consolidate what I already have. Right. Well, it seems like this year is the year perhaps for not to follow that, because, like I say, there seems to be quite a lot of stuff, you know, rumoured. No. I mean, <laughs> we're, we, I mean, there's stuff we actually know about um, that we're not allowed to say anything about. So, but, uh, so I do know there are at least four or five things that are going to be coming up that uh, I can't speak of. Oh, but, dear. Oh, well, uh, you know, why make a New Year's resolution and keep it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's still, oh, only, it's still only January, after all. Yes, but, absolutely. I mean, yes. I, not I, that I, I know I, anything. My birthday will be broken. 
not that I know anything, and I, I'm, I'm quite sincerely, I don't, but it seems like, you know, last year there was lots and lots of analogues, mono analogues, and I'm wondering whether or not we might start to see, you know, people pushing the envelope to try and get some, some sort uh, of polys out there I as well. I guess that's going to be hard. I did buy a Deep Bass 9 the other day because I had one of those uh, a long time ago. And it has a Curtis uh, CME something or another blah, blah, blah filter chip in it. And you can plug things in the audio in in the back. And I just wanted to be able to kind of squish things nicely with analog. Um, so I had to buy it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Um, I probably, probably should have bought is a, that a Volker, Jomox? But, is that a Jomox? No, D-Base 9. No, D-Base 9 is a one-unit 303 yeah. uh, emulator, but it's more like it's more it's squelchier and like nastier and more you know kind of borders on a very simplified Moog or a, a Studio Electronics SC1, but a very very cut down, very simplified kind of one of those. Ah. Tons of bottom end. Interesting. Lovely sound today. Interesting stuff. Oh, that does sound good. I'd like to try that. I'm just trying to think what we got here. We haven't had anything. We have, like I say, we had one. Somebody was in filming yesterday with something we can't talk about until day one of NAM, and you'll see that here first, obviously. So you'll just have to. That's my, I guess that's a way of teasing. Um, I don't know. Dave Spears, I'm guessing if I ask you, you probably can't say anything about anything because you're probably either NDA'd or honor bound not to spill the beans. So, how about what you'd like to see in an ideal world? Well, for me, uh, actually, you know what? I was saying to Chris this morning, what I really, really would like is a rack, and you heard it here first, I think racks are coming back, um, a rack mount really high quality piano sound set. Say something like the Yamaha Avant Grand, but in a rack, because I'm kind of bored of using up CPU cycles for huge piano sounds and RAM and stuff like that in my computer. So it would be really nice to be able to have a kind of outboard piece of kit that I can go, right, okay, here's a really cool module. But I don't hold up any hope at all for that. Mm, that <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, I think the point is, obviously, with a really nice piano sound, the furniture kind of helps elevate the price of it. So the sound is one part of it. If you lose the furniture part of it, then it's going to be harder to charge a reasonable amount of money for it? Uh, or maybe I'm wrong there, I don't know. Howard used to, we've been lugging around the V piano for proper acoustics, now the Roland one, which is fantastic. It's a big old brute, but for um, these gigs in the autumn, we finally moved across, he got a, um, a Yamaha, I'm not a Yamaha, sorry, a Roland um, A88, they're kind of new slim down, cut down, weighted action keyboard, and we just ran a MacBook Air with um, Ivory, and it was absolutely brilliant. Ah. absolutely flawless you know he's playing massive classical type things on it as well um so yeah it's been really good that and i i guess the thing about that is um the weight of the thing is certainly the v piano is likely to be the keyboard isn't it really more than anything yeah. else yeah the keyboard's phenomenal on it. it's got this kind of special keyboard that kind of absorbs your sweat like a real you know real ivory keyboard would so it's kind of a very um they put that keyboard key bed in the a88 so Kind of he was happy to kind of make that transition. Maybe they could put the 19 inch. I was just no you up again, Robbie. You'd gone to a, uh, a smaller oh. window, and I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's fair. Everybody else is full size. <laughs> yeah, come on. 
give me my due. Give me my yeah, big win. Yeah, of course, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the other thing that I've heard about, I mean, we're talking, um, I'm just trying to think there's, uh, I've got appointments with various people, so I think there's, uh, it's very difficult to know what we can actually say. Uh, what about, um, what about you, Mike? Is there any, oh, no, I've already asked you that, whether you'd like to see anything. But um, one thing I would like to say is, um, well, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I can answer that question still, but nobody's made it yet. Or if they have, they, you know, I would be flabbergasted. And that is, I want holographic people to interact with. I want, I've envisioned this for years. I want to be able to maybe even open my laptop and have the little holographic players show up in the space between the screen and the keyboard. Like on so the stage. Could, you know, like you poke the drummer in logic pro x and you kind of go right come on play this beat for me i mean it would be nice if you just created little holographic people and you could kind of push them over and they would do different things (laughs) that's perhaps that's that's not very musical technology but i i I can get your point it's like a sort of virtual puppet show i still believe that the way you perceive things has a massive impact on the way things sound so what we yeah. see does influence the way we hear things and if you had little people to interact with and you could actually see the guy playing the drums as a little 3d hologram sitting on your laptop keyboard the drums would sound better guarantee it absolutely guarantee it. that's an interesting idea uh, robbie you're in robot studios i mean i'm guessing nothing would please you more oh it sounds fantastic i mean it's a good point though mark makes because I've got the little, you know, the little teenage engineering OP1. And I just get so much, so much satisfaction and joy using that little thing. Just because I love, I just love how it all looks and how it all interacts. And um, I can sit there for hours doing stuff on that. Just for that very reason. If you just get that satisfying kind of feedback from it. But I can see what you're saying. Yeah, it's called being inspiring, isn't it? I mean, I just want products to have some more inspiring like interfaces and... So it's interfaces for me, always interfaces, because we can make pretty much any sound that we've envisaged so far, maybe the sounds that we haven't thought of, which are, are going to come out of new forms of synthesis that nobody's invented yet. But in terms of like how you interact with these things, there have got to be better ways of interacting with them. I mean, I th- And I think the iPad goes some way to changing the user interface, but I think we can go further. And I'm sure that things can pop out the screen and... Maybe I have to wear 3D glasses to make that happen at the moment, perhaps. But, I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll get there to a point where we have a cube instead of a flat laptop and there's things that are actually floating around seemingly in space. But obviously they're just projected holograms. Mm, no, definitely. Small. I'm still waiting. You know, yeah, OK, we'll see what we can do. Big shout out in the chat room to Audio Nerd, who uh, says that's why we didn't have to make the Delay Llama. Sound absolutely great. If anyone remembers the Dalai Lama, Dalai oh, Lama yeah. was, was just a plug-in that was basically a Buddhist monk who just went, Ewa. it was like throw singing filter. It was just brilliant. And it was one of the first plugins that was sort of really viral, wasn't it? It kind of really went captured. I can't, I, I, I can't recall a single instance of any time I might have used it musically, but it must have... I did. Did you? Yeah, I used it. Now, I used it in a remix. I think it was a remix for Chicane, actually. I used it in. Nice work. Yeah, yeah, I love that thing. Fond do we, memory. Do we need an audio unit uh, port of that, Dave? You it look. was brilliant. I loved it. One. I absolutely loved it's it. I really it. miss it. Is there? There's an all right, okay. I'm sure there's an audio unit port of it. I think I've got it on my machine, but... 
I might be wrong. I'm 99% sure. I think I used it in one of my first reviews, and it was just the fact that it was... I think, yes, that's right. It was a Behringer MIDI controller, and I used the Delay Llama, and I mapped something, you know, the vowel shape to one of the knobs on it, and everybody was going, wow, what is that plugin? This is a long, long, long time ago, I guess. I don't know when it was... Once a holographic Delay Llama. That was, nah, there we go. Robbie, you're on it. There you go. That's what we want. Yeah, spot on. That's exactly what I want, yeah. Okay. And then I can poke him in the belly and he'll go, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, this is getting better and better. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that perhaps we might actually see just that. One thing I know we are going to see, um, I'm going to go see Bitwig. Uh, I know the, the most longly awaited uh, DAW, um, which we've actually got past the point of wanting to know when it's released. Now we're just waiting for the, in, the, the, the date of the, the announcement date. The date when they say that what date they're going to release it rather than the actual release date. Um, but that seems to be going. We've got beta 10 on that. I mean, I, I, have, I am a member of the beta program. I just haven't had time to spend all that time um, looking at it. But from what I've seen, you know, it's still in optimization state. But that's going to be very interesting when that comes along because uh, that will probably throw up a bunch of interesting work throws. I mean, workflows. I mean, in terms of software, though, uh, Dave, you must keep a kind of fairly firm eye on this. I mean, do you think we're ready for a new kind of a new direction on that? I mean, we know Cubase have been killing it quite a lot recently. You know, they really have pushed a lot a lot of stuff forward, uh, and they're owned by Yamaha, as in fact are Line Six now or about to be. So, uh, I wonder if we're going to see some more software workflow stuff. I mean, do you think there's more places it can go in the GUI with the old keyboard and mouse? I don't know. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. I know a lot of people who've upgraded recently who are just saying I didn't need all this other stuff. What I needed was stuff to have been fixed that was wrong with it in the first place. So I don't know, I'm a little bit sceptical. It's hard to sell um, stuff that should have worked in the first place, though, isn't it? I guess so. I guess so. But yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, just, it, it, it's a sort of weird thing. There's, there's, software's, a bit of, software's a bit of a strange world at the minute, isn't it? It's kind of eclipsed by hardware. It's bizarre. Which is, kind of, which is very interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we've had a, a major resurgence in analog uh, synthesis, uh, lots of hardware coming out, and I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to see a bunch of Dopefer-type Eurorack modules. I mean, there always is a huge tranche of them. I mean, obviously, the thing with the manufacturers there is we tend to get to see something that is a prototype less likely to be in stores at the end of the week kind of thing because these guys are sort of much smaller manufacturers they can't make in mass production so we're not you don't get that sort of huge machinery gearing up to go and then you know you could wait months before yours turns up and what have you but that's i suspect we're going to continue to see innovation these sort of hybrid uh systems which are hybrid digital stuff you've got some of that in your rack the hybrid digital uh, yeah uh, i've got i've got some I've, i've got this fantastic oscillator made by mutable instruments called braids and it's got all these different types of um, synthesis in it. And you can do, uh, you can, it's incredible. You can do like kind of percussive stuff and you can do granular stuff, analog stuff. It's got some CS80 waves in it. It's brilliant. So um, I'm really into that kind of stuff. And I've got the, um, the Harvestman wavetable um, piston Honda as well. And um, oh, yes. yeah, that, that kind of stuff really kind of excites me much more than just literal analogs. Yeah, the uh, the inimitable uh, Scott Yeager, who looks like a kind of long-haired X-Files agent 
to me. <laughs> That's what I kind of imagined from the site and everything. Good. About. I'm, glad, I'm glad he lives up to that. You, we, you should yeah. check uh, on our site. We've got some videos where we've talked to Scott uh, a few times. Uh, I would like to say that, uh, obviously, um, if we're looking at the weather, uh, it looks like Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're talking high 70s, possibly 80 in Anaheim, which is I'm personally really psyched about, even though it hasn't been very cold here. For the last two or possibly three years, it has been pissing down in Anaheim and freezing cold and I've had to go and we had to put bin bags over all our luggage to get to and from the show it's been miserable and sitting outside but has been horrible because it's been cold so hopefully this year there's actually going to be something kind of nice and warm which would be um you know I'm looking forward to massively you've got uh, leaky suitcases or something no it's not that but if it's tipping with rain and you we've got to walk from the motel to the uh to the show um it's just, you know, stuff gets wet and it's full of camera equipment and computers and stuff. So we have to kind of... I went and bought a lot of uh, really unsuitable uh, umbrellas for the uh, the team last week, last time, which were kind of really effeminate colours and uh, and loud and what have you, <laughs> just just because I could. It have ladybirds on and things like that. That's you got you got you're getting the idea. You've you've kind of got the idea of it. So uh, yeah, anyway. But yes, um, so hopefully it'll be nice for a change, and uh, I, I'm sure that those of uh, you listening in winter bo- win- winter-bound Europe will be thinking, yeah, whatever. But you know, it's hard work out there, and it's actually nice to be able to relax afterwards without sort of having to dash from the taxi to the to wherever it is and stay inside. It's nice to get out of the air conditioning. Uh, let's take a look at something else. Right, uh, oh, that one, that one, that one, that one. Um, excellent drum cut up. Yes, it certainly is. Let's have a listen. they used. That bass drum sounds awesome on these headphones. <laughs> I like the garage as well. That's just absolutely amazing. That is um, basically a guy called Julien Odigier. Uh, I'm sorry, I hope that's right. On Natal drums, uh, you can see him at julienodigier.com uh, which, this is his website right here and that is we've there was a phase wasn't there where there was all this sort of cut up stuff i remember we started some of the early shows we uh, we looked at some of these things and uh, but this is just so slick it's a great it's a really good groove and it's brilliantly put together in that and it just seems like such a brilliant idea i hope they got impulse responses of all of those things i mean dave you're a drummer uh, what i mean god that's just it just sounds fantastic you listen to it on good headphones yeah actually i was more impressed with the filming and yeah. the drummer than anything else because who'd have imagined that you put a drum kit in a different environment and it sounds different <laughs> who'd have ever thought of that eh? and when I when somebody sent it to me it's, it's been doing the rounds for a while and when somebody first sent it to me I was like huh because I was kind of working and it was on, on another screen and then when I saw it visually you kind of go ah yeah there's some really clever little bits of filming in there yeah it's a neat, very neat liked. production you know, nice little groove and whatnot. But yeah, it was kind of like uh, well, we did that, didn't we? We've done. We put drum kits in different rooms to get different ambiences. 
It's it, it, it's that thing, isn't it? When uh, you get the ten year fashion cycle. So we're going. We, uh, when was it? Well, it's longer than ten years, isn't it? When they, uh, all of those uh, you know power station and all that stuff, all those sort of drums were put in massive massive uh, rooms in the eighties, gated to, out of out of existence. So I guess we must. Yeah, be the town. That's maybe, a big one here. Maybe it's a 30-year cycle on the ambient drums. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Next up, Funky Drummer's coming back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, well, I've got about... Well, most of my work through the uh, 90s has some element of the Funky Drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of it, but just some. Yeah, uh, you must, you must, you know, use spaces around, but it's a great idea. I mean, in, and in fact... The idea of it just to create actually, you know, could you put music around it? Do you think that would work or would it be a bit too distracting, Robbie? Well, I mean, it's pretty epic in places, isn't it, that, what they've done? Yeah. That's amazing. The bit, the, I love the bits when it's, he's under, like, that underpass or whatever, under the motorway, and you get that massive reverb that kind of sucks off. That sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I love all that. I'm a big user of um, uh, speakerphone and out of a, a lot so I, I really like doing all that kind of extreme big spaces and very small spaces and mono spaces yeah that kind of a, does float wow. my boat arthur d in the chat room saying it's not mic'd it's samples mimed clearly hmm that's a controversial controversial thing what do you think mark mimed mark have we been hoodwinked has had five million like views sound under the freeway but it's impossible to have got that sound isn't it what do you mean for that well I've be, I've become slightly obsessed with making impulse responses of everything. I keep encountering things and making impulse responses. And the microphones I've been using to do it are very good. And what happens with the impulse responses are the tail ends of those kinds of reverbs end up with loads of um, unwanted artifacts in them because there's always something making a noise near or in the space that you're trying to take impulse responses from but to get that level of reverb if that freeway's in use that was a freeway wasn't it he's under a freeway so when's he gone there when there's no cars on it going over it putting all low frequency rumble in it and blah 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 but that said um i like the video and i love <laughs> yeah. out the freeway. whatever that sound is whether it's under a freeway or not under a freeway or however they've made that sound i want that sound it's good that's a fair point but you that's a good point but i suppose the thing is all of the samples are sort of truncated before we get the full tail so maybe all of the not the samples yeah, but the clips. so much gain on that that you would hear something if that was just a recording of that natural ambience with that much compression and gain on it you'd hear and and everything else going unless over the it was freeway. four in the morning like they do with filming yeah yeah a guy takes his drum kit at four in the morning <laughs> <laughs> sets it up outdoors and plays it you'd have trucks on the long haul going over the freeway at four in the morning maybe that doesn't happen in america maybe deserted freeway maybe Abandoned freeway. Abandoned freeway. Oh, Starling? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yes, I, mean, I, I do like the sound. Though. I mean, I've been going around Glastonbury collecting impulse responses of some of the buildings, and I'm waiting to get in the kitchen at the Abbey because that, that building's absolutely beautiful, the sound in there. So I want to go and collect a... It, it all looks a bit odd when I turn up with a speaker that goes... And I'm standing there with binaural headset in going and <laughs> recording oh, so you, things. You do it with, you do it with tones rather than uh, snaps because some uh, I know that um, you can do it with a 
like a clap um, as well, can't you? Thing that uh, that makes a the right kind of snap, and I don't want to go into the abbey and fire a starter pistol because <laughs> I can't imagine what would possibly happen. There's a man in a funny hat shooting a pistol in the in the air. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I'll have the police there, won't I? I've heard a gunshot. I say, there's a man in there with a thing on his head. <laughs> no. You could dress in a sort of medieval fashion. And what about Maybe. clapperboard? <laughs> no, I've tried the dog clicker because that's really, really loud. Uh, it's like this thing that we click that's a dog training thing. And uh, Gina stood on the other side of the field and was clicking it to get the dog to come back. And I could hear it from absolutely miles away. And it makes a very loud, very kind of... Um, what seems like when you listen to it, it sounds like it covers lots of frequencies, like it's a white noise kind of click. But when uh, I've done impulse responses with that, I did the... There's a small chapel in the Abbey grounds at Glastonbury, and I did that in there with the dog clicker. And when I put snare drum through, it just sounded like a snare drum with a whole load of coloration of dog clicker on it, which just doesn't sound right. And, the, do and the dog came bounding into the studio. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's a yeah, so, dog, dog clicker, great band name, says an artist in the uh, chat room. If you uh, just in case you're wondering, yes, good idea. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the purpose of the video is, apart from perhaps to uh, outline the kind of expertise of the drummer and the video production crew. <laughs> but yes, it does seem like we might have actually been hoodwinked on that because you're right about those the tails and the noises. I mean, it, considering the amount of work that would have just gone into, because if you notice, the drums are placed very specifically on the mat, and it, you know when they're, sh they're they're cutting on eighths and sixteenths further on in the video, and it's very very um, th you know the continuity is really really finely honed and that would yeah. have that so that's yeah that would have been a, an interesting challenge but maybe they're re-triggering i wonder that's an interesting idea i maybe we should find out maybe we can ask somebody and they might know i'm sure there was a piece of software for doing this kind of thing called av drum or something um which you could put video clips in and then you put it on a grid 16-step grid like a roll, old Roland drum machine and then you just switch clips on and off and it would flick back and forth between them. I don't know if you could do, if you could green screen the drums and put them in front of it and then just keep changing the backgrounds. Yeah, I wondered that whether there was any green screen stuff going on. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of hard to know, to be honest. Put, put it in Photoshop and look for edges. <laughs> I could. I'm kind of busy at the moment, though, as what with the preparation for <laughs> uh, NAM. Uh, well, <laughs> um, what with all the stuff going on. But, yeah, um, speaking back of NAM, of course, I'd just like to say um, there's a couple of things that we're going to be doing. First of all, we're going to be doing live blogging with the first time, which is going to be quite interesting. We've got several people. You may have seen our live blog stuff before. Uh, Robbie's done one, and uh, we've done some from some other shows. We're going to have various people contributing to live blogs. That's going to have one per day, one for the guitar side, one for music tech. So stay tuned for that, and that will be sort of trailed side wide so that'll be interesting to see how that goes whether it brings the servers to a knit to that to their knees or not and the other thing that we'll be doing is of course uh personas are one of the major sponsors of the show they're, they're sponsoring our music tech video side of things so we're going to be doing as we did last year a live broadcast from their streaming setup which is on the personas booth so if you head over to personas.com around about 9 30 uh, pacific time uh, then we'll be there um trying to fill dead air with uh, our a unique British take on Nam. Uh, it went very well last year, and they're a brilliant team. 
and we do things like uh, we get some people coming in doing a one minute pitch so if you find something interesting they can come in and do a pitch for a, for a minute or, or thereabouts and then we show a few other videos uh, of other exclusive things that we found. As I said, you know, the Wednesday before, I've got some appointments with various people who are going to be showing stuff. And it, it is really, it's a real swine, actually, because we've been hit by a few NDAs because we've had to do it. And, and and in some respects, I'm kind of not sure I'd do that again because it means I can't really talk about it because it's okay if you sort of cheese off, you know, your sponsors or people that you have to work with on day by day. But if they've got you by the short and curlies in law, it's a bit very different dynamic. You know, it doesn't work in quite the same way. But there will be uh, a lot of stuff by the looks of things. Um, and that will be running from, uh, like I say, Wednesday through to Sunday. And then Sunday night, we're actually leaving Anaheim. We usually leave on a Monday and we're going to go to um, Santa Monica, sadly. It's by the Pacific, and it's going to be sunny, so I suppose that's something. Um, did we talk? Did, have I actually said something about this, uh, the Roland thing? We did mention it, didn't we? I mean, it seems like it feels like there could be sort of quite a lot of excitement about that, but I don't think there's anything going to be shown at NAM at that. That might happen later on at some point, but we'll have to see. Um, I haven't got all that. I was thinking that NAM. I didn't really think this through because I was thinking the NAM topics would go on for a lot longer, but then I realised none of us can actually talk about anything, really, because uh, we all have kind of various connections and interests. So I've sort of rather misjudged that, I think. <laughs> what, about people, what about people giving their best pie-in-the-sky hopes for NAM? Hopes for NAM, yeah. Well, i tell you what, it was going to be interesting, and uh, this is something we didn't speak of. I don't think we mentioned it last time, but uh, that Yamaha, uh, you know, intending to buy Line 6 is quite a big deal. Uh, and it's got, it comes along with the usual, um, you know, our corporate, you know, ruining of everything. But when you look at what's happened with Steinberg, it's actually, they've done, seem to have like really sorted them out and they've left them to be quite autonomous. And obviously they've linked it with a lot of their products and you always get a, a copy of Cubasis or Cubase something SE or whatever with, you know, uh, the Yamaha products. But as we've said, you know, in the last 12 months, there have been some really innovative things. So I'm wondering whether or not that might be a good thing. I mean, I'm, I don't know, Mark, you're a big Line 6 fan. Is it kind of, uh, is it making you get excited or feel a bit of dread? Because, I mean, that THR stuff combined with Line 6's amp modeling might be uh, pretty cool, right? I am a big Line 6 fan, and um, anything that moves it forward is always exciting, I suppose. So, um yeah, I don't know. Bring it on. It's, you know, maybe all my line six stuff will be redundant and it'll end up in landfill. But I'm in a, I'm in a, I want to be excited mode, perhaps about. Yeah, and I think it could be good. It might take a little while to get going. Robbie, you use any line six stuff? Do you? Um, I I have. I used to have a delay pedal that they did. There was like a sort of an analog delay pedal. But oh. um, now I've got a lot of TC. I must admit, I've got quite, obviously, because of my connections as well, I have quite a lot of the um, the TC stuff, like the flashback and the, um, yeah. you know, the reverb, Hall of Fame and all that stuff, which is really nice. So you, you use pedals a lot in your setup? Yeah, I'm, I've started to use them again, yeah. I mean, I yeah, it's all part of my getting hands-on and getting out of being a being an accountant. <laughs> have you tried that, uh, the, the Yamaha THR stuff, those little kind of boomboxes with... It's really actually quite good uh, modelling in it, and you can plug stuff in it, and you know, then record. You mean that little guitar amp, the cream-coloured one? Yeah, well, they do a few. They've got the yeah, THR X, really... the THRC, THR whatever. There's, there's I a... went to a guitar shop to try that little tiny cream one, 
and it's like it's the size of a little tiny boom box and I plugged the guitar in and switched it on and it had like tons of bass and I don't understand how it does it really to be honest I mean it sounded like a 12 inch speaker but it's in a little tiny it's about that big isn't it oh that big yeah, I've seen yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. No, they are good. Really? Uh, our, yeah. guitar, our guitar editors are, be, are very keen on. We've reviewed a number of them. The THR. Um, in fact, Rob, who's a real Valve head, who's one of our uh, reviewers, he was like, "Oh no, it's can't be any good." And then we couldn't get it off him afterwards. He was just like, "This thing is amazing." And the reason, well, the reason um, that's working because they've taken their technology because they do a lot of home cinema stuff. So lots of bass and psychoacoustic enhancement coming out of very small spaces. So they basically used the things like soundbars that go underneath televisions. They've used that technology yeah. in the THR to sort of project. And we, when we were reviewing it in here, there's a couple of presets which are sort of quite ver reverberant and delay, delay y And it just seems to fill and surround the room. It kind of comes out both sides and... To the it's it's really quite remarkable sound. I mean, I'm sure it's all sorts of phase weirdness and stuff, but it definitely that that's why you know that's why they sound so. One of the reasons they sound so good. Um, I don't know, Dave. What do you think about the whole uh, Line Six thing? I mean, you know, Marcus has been doing Marcus Ryle, the owner and founder, has been doing it for a long time. So I guess it's nice to cash in. Well, yeah, and I think that's been the kind of focus of conversation with most of the people I've spoken to. Is like. It's weird, isn't there? There seems to be some money around again after a bit of uh, having a bit of a dearth of cash. You've got Google buying Nest for a absurd amount of money, and I think there are some people that the, this is the conversations that have been going on between me and certain other people is then they could be completely unfounded that actually there comes a point where you might want to go, you know what? I've been doing this for years. I want to get out. Let's make sure that the company's in good hands to move forward for the future, but I will now go away with a fair amount of cash and act as a consultant for even more amount of cash. Yeah. Well, but I'm you know what? If that's the case, then actually, really, honestly, with Marcus, good luck to him if that really is the case because he's been responsible for some pretty amazing stuff over the years. He designed, you know, he co-designed the Matrix 12, the Odeheim Expander stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's been... Uh, responsible for some great stuff so if that's true uh yeah definitely best of luck but that's pure speculation it's just the conversation yeah well no I, I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to that day <laughs> yeah yeah we kind of i mean that's what this whole the, all of this is about me being able to walk off into the sunset with a you know huge cash uh cash payment obviously yeah not the only thing you don't want to happen is for 30 years down the line for him to turn up again running his own tiny little bespoke company and 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 all of that to sort of fall apart along the way because those kind of i don't know dissolutions of companies don't never go well do they well sometimes so he, they do i mean i think you know that's the perception but actually no, no, no but i mean i mean obviously dave smith instruments is like that's that's where I would want to put my money, not in what profit kind of dissolved into. Do you see what I mean? Right. So rather than have like the the company that loses the, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, yeah, the, yeah. the brains behind it needs to stay rolling with the company. Otherwise, it's it all just goes horribly wrong. I can't think of an intelligent example, but it, it's an interesting to, thing. Well, some might some might argue that Apple's like that, wouldn't they? Some might say that, but no. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. But I, I, I still, I still have faith. I still keep the faith. <laughs> so, have you got your Mac Pro yet? Then the new one? 
No, I costed it up. I reckon it was going to be, by the time I bought Thunderbolt chassis for all the UAD stuff and everything, I reckon it was going to be seven grand for the machine I want to replace what I've got. Wow. So I've got a 12 core machine anyway, so I just thought it's just not worth it at the moment. No. Yeah. I mean, have you have you run out? Does your 12 core... No, I haven't run out of power, so it's just like... What's the point? I don't, I don't really see the point at the moment. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I take your point, I, and and also, you know, it's um, we had a chap in here. Uh, well, Gareth was in here um, talking about uh, the Mac Pro, uh, and that you know the, what they a lot of stuff that bands that he's touring with now are running things off, uh, you know, high-powered Mac Minis in little yeah. rack mount units, and you could buy so many of those for the cost of a Mac Pro and still get you know expand uh, you know a similar amount of expandability and what have you so yeah thunderbolt does need to get cheaper you're right there uh, um says uh, zen artist in the chat room and it's interesting we've been talking to somebody recently about uh, manufacturing with thunderbolt and the problem is is intel who actually um they hold the license and they license that they they vet the hardware that goes you have to use very expensive components so the actual you know the 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 parts price for something could be as much as like 150 bucks to put Thunderbolt on a system, you know, depending on what implementation it is. And, it, you know, that's why you're seeing little things with one Thunderbolt port, not a through, because you have to pay for each input-output stage. It's not the same sort of cost, uh, license cost as Firewire, for instance. And that's the thing. To the end user, it's just like, well, it's just a cable I plug in. You know, I can't see the value. Okay, yeah, it's more bandwidth, but that's just the way that, you know, the, the future goes, isn't it? It gets better. But it just seems like the licensing and the cost of using Thunderbolt is too expensive and that's why that's we're not, not seeing, seeing it, is, it? is that why we're not seeing it on sort of sort of lower scale audio interfaces and stuff do you think absolutely yeah absolutely right. most of them, people like that to have like an ultralight with thunderbolt by now have most you got anything with thunderbolt on yet i don't think so okay I, i've heard that there might be some stuff coming um yeah. Uh, I don't, but I, I, somebody was mentioning that there was there was there was something possibly from motu and also something from zoom but I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard. That was just somebody telling. I haven't heard it anywhere else. So maybe that's not the case. But the the reason that's not happening is because of this ridiculous cost. And that's the sort of thing. That's why you know Ada and Firewire prolif and USB proliferated because it was cheap enough to license. But because of this, uh, um, the, the Firewire. I think because of the bandwidth and the, the tolerances and the high speed nature of it, you can't make a crappy Thunderbolt interface. Otherwise, it won't work. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword, really. You need that, but it just it seems seems it's holding it back, really. Because, I mean, does anybody know of any PC hardware that's got Thunderbolt in it? Or is it just Macs that have got it? I don't... I mean, there must be motherboards with Thunderbolt in. The chat room might be able to help me out there. But they're certainly not as, as prolific as one would hope. And even, you know, when you consider that, say, for instance... You consider like a, a five-port USB hub. You know the equivalent in Firewire in Thunderbolt could actually cost like a thousand bucks because of the licensing of each of those. Th and you and, and to the end end user, you're looking at this thing. is like, well, it just looks like a USB hub to me. You know. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's going to be a hub. They're going to have to pull a finger out and cut. And that's because they've set the licensing cost too high. There are probably presumably all these manufacturers that are signed up and and are held by previous contracts. They can't really get away from that unless they release a, a, another specification of it which they can make cheaper somehow so it's really i think it's really going to cause problems uh, and also oh, it's been around for a while hasn't it it's been around for is it nearly two years now or a year and a half or something? i think it's three years now that max have been made with thunderbolt three, on them. Yeah. three. yeah well, i think the, really mac pro, though, the mac pro is going to force a lot of companies now to rush you know and get stuff out 
isn't it? I mean, I'm guessing we're going to see UAD, whatever, their portable units with Thunderbolts suddenly and everything. Yeah, maybe so. Well, um, UAD are doing a deal at the moment um, throughout January, which if you buy one of their Apollo, uh, I forget which one it is, it might be the 16, uh, it comes with the Thunderbolt option built in. So, you know, they're obviously pushing it through. But again, you know, I think the issue is... Apogee, I all right. Right. I think what made, if you think about it, what made Firewire um, more prolific and... <laughs> Is that a squeaky dog toy by Golden chance? Retrievers. Um, <laughs> what made Firewire more prolific was the fact that it turned up on loads of video cameras. So the Sony yeah. IE3944, I've probably yeah, got yeah, completely no, the wrong right, yeah. number, spec, meant that the video camera became compatible with Firewire and then people started putting it on other things. So maybe it doesn't need to be a music technology thing with Thunderbolt, but maybe some consumer electronics device like a video camera would be the thing that would make it appear on more things yeah no that's true um i mean standards are a very interesting thing aren't they i mean you know dave you must be held by them all the time because i mean you have to f adhere to software standards os standards what have you i mean hardware standards must be even more of a nightmare to to deal with in some ways what do you think and well okay, maybe not. <laughs> in addition perhaps at least they're reasonably well defined from the off and they don't change on a kind of weekly or monthly basis and I think that's actually what's kind of done the software industry in, where people are kind of going, I'll tell you what, actually, let's go and get this little piece of hardware now. It's the, I think it's going it's to It's just yeah. to, you know, people who work and expect to continue to work want everything to continue to work. And, you, and, you know, there are times where, particularly I find with early adopters, I mean, I'm sort of almost, well, I do know somebody's got a Mac Pro and has checked out our stuff on it and says that, there are more problems with hosts than there are with plugins. Ah, okay. But, you know, if you are spending that kind of money, you want it to work from the off. And now I think people are starting to be more cautious. They're going, you know what, actually, I've got a machine that works pretty well and I'm going to hold yeah. off for a little bit. And I think most yeah, people instead of Thunderbolt are looking for USB 3. Yeah, yeah. well, I don't, I'm still not a fan of USB. It just doesn't seem to have the... Um, integrity of you know it doesn't seem to be as rigid in terms of uh, sustained data throughput there's too much negotiation going on with usb which causes problems for certain applications that's for sure can i can i put in my biggest bugbear go with usb I've, I've said this for years it drives me mental i don't know why nobody's ever brought out a professional like rack mount usb hub with like more than seven out you know inputs on it because like I've 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 had this whole game in the studio for years of trying to get all my USB things working at one time, and I think I finally managed it with these with these kind of really industrial hubs. But I just don't know why nobody made a hub for musicians, because invariably live as well. Sometimes you need loads of USB connectors for controllers and stuff. And if somebody just made like a nice simple hub that worked with like ten ten devices, perhaps had a couple of little ports that you could lock for eye locks and things like that i'm sure people would want that yeah i'm sure i've seen i've seen, I'm, I've seen on rack mount computers lockable um usb things for eye locks i'm sure somewhere um but the the memory is too dim to uh, assist me with that yeah. recollection at the moment but yeah i know i think that's a good idea i mean 
in terms of the thing about you that I do like about USB is it's very easily extensible. I mean, we've got cables that are kind of 10 meters long in here that for running, you know, to I can run power down them, I can run all sorts of things down them, which it is, I have to say, very useful. If I had a 10 meter Thunderbolt cable, I'd have to remortgage my house. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, just, really. I, 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 even if you can get that long, I think you can only get, um, yeah. Uh, as you said, can I back that with some scientific data, Nick? Um, I, well, I could try, um, but it probably won't be very scientific. No, it's the, there's a lot of, uh, there's more handshaking going on for sustained throughput with USB, and it's possibly not the transport. It might be the drivers are harder to write efficiently than it is perhaps for a firewire. You know, maybe it, you could be lazier with the coding point of view, and, and people, you know, that might be the case. So, uh, yes, I, I'll, I'll backtrack there and have that caveat in there. <laughs> to save I, I would just say something about USB, and that's the problem with USB is that uh, people sort of manufacture these things on down to a price price point now. So you buy all this USB two or three stuff from China, and it just doesn't actually work. Like as in the thirty-two gigabyte stick that I bought, which I took to uh, the studio in London, copied a whole load of stuff onto it. It looked like the stuff was there, came back home, tried to unzip this zip file, and it basically said it had got naught bytes in it. So although it wrote all the headers, it didn't write any data to the stick. Uh. It doesn't work. And so the best thing to do with that stick is to throw it in the bin, or the only thing to do with that stick is to throw it in the bin, because it just has no integrity. So, And, and loads of USB stuff that I've got is just, you know, razor sharp. Kind of, you know, you could, if you pressed it into your hand, you'd cut a USB-shaped hole in your hand. So... <laughs> Just so badly made. Yeah, well, you, could make, you could make nice little biscuits with it in the kitchen. Very tiny biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have. Instantly, uh, we just got these new drives for our show drives because we've retired uh, the last set of show drives, which are very old uh, passport Western Digital passports that we've had for years. And this is a USB three one, but works fine on the. Uh, I think this is like a. Uh, a one terabyte drive. I don't know whether or not, and this is the same with Thunderbolt. There was a whole thing uh, about this, you know, um, I think on the Twit Network where they were talking about, you know, even if you get Thunderbolt drives, the interface between the Thunderbolt and the drive is quite often just translated into USB. So you don't get this high speed, you know, you're not using the full data rate. So you're not even getting eSATA or eSATA 2 or 3 or whatever data rates or Thunderbolt rates. You're just getting really fast data up to the bridge and then whatever the bridge is configured for, you know, so you just, it's like a translator rather than an actual interface. So it doesn't always work for the best. Um, uh, USB biscuit. Yeah, that's a great idea for a show title. In fact, <laughs> I'm sure someone has made, I'm sure that, you know, we, what there will be, if I do a search on Google, I'm sure I'll find USB key shaped biscuits and cakes a plenty for the post See, uh, frame. On, on, on Graham Norton the other week, he did this feature about cakes that people had had made, you know, gone to a cake shop and said, I want a cake made like this. And somebody took a USB key to the shop and said, I want a cake made like this. I look on the USB key and they'd actually made a virtual USB when they back, was the virtual USB key, like the Phantom or something. <laughs> oh dear. It was classic. <sighs> <laughs> well, you know, you make cakes. Why would you know? It's an easy mistake to make. Just a mismatch yeah. of expectations. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, um, I think um, we. Well, 
I think we're kind of run. I've, well, I know the, there we go. We've got this one as well. I'll quickly do this and then I'm going to have to chew off. So um, let's play this and we can enjoy this topic too. This is amazing. Actually, very heartwarming. Uh, I probably should talk over it because I suspect there will be uh, some kind of um, penalty from YouTube. This is the Refill Harmonic Orchestra. Uh, it's based uh, in, near Asuncion in the Paraguay, in Paraguay capital. Uh, Catuera is the city's trash dump. It's a bit of a landfill, pe uh, and people have basically live on a sea of garbage. And they've started to make instruments from stuff that they find there, and they created an orchestra. And it's amazing. It's just a there's a the, the people. There was a short documentary made, and now they're making a sort of much fuller length film. And it's some of, listen to what this what this stuff sounds like. It sounds absolutely incredible. I think he's going to play the cello. I think he plays a bit of. Um, here we are. I think maybe they cut to a real cello there. I noticed a tonal change, but very heartwarming film. We're always talking about landfill and you know how stuff is ending up in here. And this just seems like a really nice, um, a brilliant idea and sort of really inspiring. I know, Dave, you're a big. Uh, a big anti-fan of landfill. This must have warmed the cockles of your heart. This came through Andy, uh, my work mate. It was brilliant. It was really actually kind of almost reduced me to tears. I thought it was absolutely awesome. And um, it's, we've had kind of a big discussion about instead of just disposing of old cheap knackered instruments, there would be a really, it would be brilliant to be able to at least get them fixed and ship them out to places. But I mean, this is... I don't know. Everything about this was just really exceptionally cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, if you want to see the site, uh, Landfill Harmonic uh, Movie is uh, is what it's what it's called. There, they've got the trailers and how to contribute to the cause and all that stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, Mark, I'm guessing you know you and your trash can guitar. This must be uh, resonate nicely with you, if you'll excuse the pun. I, Oil yeah, can very, guitar. I like all of those sorts of things. I mean. And the violins look really interesting, or violas, I don't know if they're violins or violas, I wouldn't know the difference, but they did look very interesting. I've got my, can I show you my Gascan guitar, because I like showing it to people. I go on then. Ah, yes, we have seen it. It's I've painted on the F-holes, I decided not to cut F-holes in it, and to tag them on like a, you know, US military kind of styly nice but i but it does it just has can i i'm gonna turn it on oh, it we go. it's got its own resonance but yeah it's got a dobro vibe to it hasn't it Excellent. That's great. So, um, anything that's made out of anything that's going to... It's just, I don't know, things sound different, don't they? I mean, that, well, they have a bit, I more, wanna... a bit of interesting character as well. There are actually quite a few um, images of the instruments here, which are really nice to see. There's, uh, that looks like the cello. That's the violin or viola. Um, and I mean, it looks the like they've characteristic cut of holes them. in them to change the resonance as well, which is interesting. Yes. Mine's all about aesthetic. So what, mine what? does have its own resonance, but I, it's all very much about the aesthetics of it, what it looks like. But they seem to have not worried so much about that and really gone for, like, the making it tonally interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. The soprano there saxophone was, there. 
Don't... There was a documentary, wasn't there, about two years ago on the UK about a, they they tried to make an orchestra out of um, recycled bits of whatever for you know for for classical musicians in the UK to play, and they really struggled with it because they were so kind of you know they were so used to really nice instruments. But what's interesting about this is they just seem to be able to get on with it and you know get great stuff out of playing it. Absolutely, people they had this real handicap of it's not a real violin it's not like a real violin but they just seem to kind of just you know be able to run with your it. point because right. they've they've learned it's like learning on a kind of old Woolworths guitar yeah and just getting what yeah. you need out of it rather than you know i need to have a gibson sg with a, a, a beautiful light frets and what have you to be able to play but actually yeah because yeah. a lot of these kids are learning on those instruments as well so but it's a brilliant project yeah, that's right. The, the flutes with coins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was really gobsmacked at the resonant characteristics of, say, something like the violin made of metal wasn't as jarring as I thought it would be. I must no. be pretty skilled. You know, the guy was pretty damn skilled. It is. Well, this is the uh, a soprano sax and that stuff. Bottle tops, badges, buttons and keys <laughs> to, to grow all that. So it's just really inventive, isn't it? I mean, it must, you know... I mean, I mean, one of the things they said was that you just wouldn't own a violin there because a violin would be worth more than someone's house. Yeah. And, but when you think about what a violin... And, and I took it to mean just a standard, regular kind of violin. So I'm, I would go out and buy a violin for 100 quid or something. And that's worth more than somebody's house. So you're in, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different way of looking at things. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Imagine the, a, a really good violin in one of these people's hands if, they, if they've been practicing on something as gnarly as that. And what are the strings made out of? How do they do that? Yeah, I don't know. I guess they must be, uh, well, they must be wang, wasn't they? Otherwise the bow wouldn't work, because so, you'd have the rod. Oh, yes. But interesting, but we should wait and see because uh, if you follow and uh, land Philharmonic Movie dot com, then you'll be able to uh, see when this is going to come out into the world, and uh, hopefully it'll you know it looks like a really brilliant and worthy documentary and something that's kind of quite inspiring. Hopefully, you know, if there's enough funding, perhaps the, they'll be able to tour the orchestra because that's a really good, that's a really interesting sort of project model that works there, where you get Western money coming in to fund a tour of people who are doing extraordinary things like this. People then go and see it pay money they raise a load of money they can take that back to the community and kind of build stuff they need and reinvest it but it's all earned by their own sort of thing and everybody gets something out of it it's just it's as like long a, as somebody doesn't come along and give them all normal instruments yeah that wouldn't work would it no endorse all this take all this yeah well <laughs> I, I i'm fairly sure I, actually the way to do it wouldn't be in to endorse the instruments it would be in to endorse the packaging they use to make the instruments so you know you'd have yes. coke can <laughs> do you see what i mean or um you know olive oil whatever that would be the clever that's, way that's to do it a yamaha signature series coke can violin or something <laughs> that's a great idea that's brilliant Anyway, I think uh, that's a, a good place to stop on a sort of light, uh, a nice heartwarming note. If you want to check that out, please go and check out landfillharmonic.com. You can see instruments like this on the trailer and keep it the whole thing. Uh, yeah, simple solutions can bring social transformation to the poorest communities. And yeah, a nice way of linking up music and everything else. So um, that's it for this week. And indeed, for a couple of weeks, we'll be back on the 5th of February because next Wednesday will be the first day of the show. And as I say, you will be able to watch... 
what we do, um, we're going to have some live blogging. We'll be doing travel log stuff. I'm going to be getting some data sims into our phones so that we can actually post there from our phones like I have done from other shows. Uh, so do keep an eye on that. And also, all our footage will be coming. We've got appointments right through Wednesday, Thursday morning. So hopefully all the really hot stuff will be up uh, first and fastest as we like to uh, use our tagline. Um, and yeah just keep stay tuned to the site and also don't forget you can watch me and rich my guitars editor on personas.com 9 30 every morning they got a live stream that they do from their show uh, from their stand they've been doing that for a couple of years and they're very kindly sponsored the show uh, so please do check them out and uh, hopefully we'll have some products from them as well but i, I haven't heard anything yet that's far too busy organizing so we'll say thank you very much this week and um, we'll say goodbye to everybody we'll start with uh, robbie bronneman over there in robot studios thank you very much robbie uh, been a pleasure to have you um people going to be watching is your sushi friday the, the the thing that people should be watching now yeah, yeah, we've got, I've got a new project with a friend of mine who we do we do film scoring together. But we've got an all 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 hardware only project, so we're doing an EP, not using any computer, virtual instruments and stuff. So that's the plan. So we're doing sort of regular blogging when we get together. So um, yeah, video blogs and stuff, which is at Sushi Friday on Facebook. Right. So check it out. Thank you Thanks. very much. Uh, we will send people there. And there we got Mark Tinley. Um, with his I, gas can guitar. Uh, Thank you very much. I'm afraid much. I've just had a very warped idea. <laughs> oh, well, sh- do share, as long as it's not Somebody illegal. Somebody in the chat room, HT in the chat room, said, Roland, here's the new TR-909 box. Make a drum machine out of it. And I went, box, TR-909 box, yes, metal. I've gone like, hang on a minute. If you took all the insides out of a Roland TR-999, so you were just left with the metal casing, yeah, and then you bolted a fender strap neck on it or whatever neck <laughs> and stuck a bridge on it and that would make an awesome guitar that's a it? really interesting idea that's or so a tr808 just the physical metal box that's nothing else so decadent. none of the electronics nothing it's just decadent. the box shameful shameful you what are you like... do with electronics put it in a guitar I'm in the market <laughs> for a dead 909 now if right. anyone's got just that piece of metal i'm interested that's an interesting idea that yeah that would be that that's a bit like having a swarovski i don't know carriage or car or, you know what i mean anyway yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. jeff Bowman at custom synth he might have one yeah try that and anyway, a really rusty one as well i don't want anything like too nice you know <laughs> oh, oh so you know now you're talking don't Any- want that don't want nice, I want nasty. Well, thank you, Mark. That's a great idea. And we hopefully we'll see you again very soon. Thanks for joining in. And finally, Dave Spears, uh, tro- stroking his chin in a very thoughtful fashion. And he's thinking, oh, yeah, okay. We're going to start yeah, seeing... There's some, space above, there's some space above your synths to have guitars hanging which have the bodies of very expensive old drum machines. Right there. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> like guitars. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, I was just thinking you could have all sorts of weird things, couldn't you? A CS80 writing bureau, take all the yeah. out of it. Or a weight machine. You'd be killed, wouldn't you? They're, they're sort of fat war issued. Yeah, that would be very... Musicians. Uh, on which, though, I would be killed if I don't plug something very quickly. Uh, we've got an expansion pack out for VSM, and it's got things like Voxumala, Yamaha GX1, all sorts of stuff, and uh, there's a deal on it until I think it's the end of the month, so if anyone's interested, go and have a look. So that's a, a sound refill, or so what? It's yeah, it's just an expa- it's an expansion pack. I think we've got like eighteen or twenty instruments. Do you know, honestly, it's a bit of a blur. I'll be completely honest. We started on this seven years ago, 
and we had a list of instruments that we wanted to source ah. and record. And it's been uh, a long, long trawl. And, that's, and that's it was good. kind of weird. I'd kind of left it alone for probably about six months. And Chris took it to sort of completion. And then kind of said the other day, I think we're ready to release. And then we checked everything and went, what, really? It can't be true. So, yes. In fact, weirdly enough, uh, Rob failed Muso. He was talking about he had a Godwin string orchestra that he sold to somebody, and it's the same person that we recorded the uh, the, the Godwin from. So oh. that that Godwin was originally uh, failed Muso's. That's nice. A, a regular guest in the chat room. Uh, yes, yeah, so I can see the the Polymoog there. Have you got a Polymoog, Dave? I've always wanted one. There's something about it. It looks like a slightly squashed EP200A, doesn't it? With some blue knobs on the front. <laughs> looks like it's been. They really. They're very nice, but the way they're constructed is, was particularly appalling. And oh. even if you had one that worked today, the chances are it probably wouldn't work tomorrow. The guy who fixes our stuff, Kent, who's obviously responsible for the theme tune on the Sonic State, yep. he had one and he sold it because he couldn't be bothered keeping up with the repair. To fix it. Oh dear. So um, that really kind of says something. But there's some really interesting stuff on there. There's the little Yamaha C25, which was a kind of very early FM ensemble synth. Anyway, there's some neat stuff. There's some demos up there and whatnot. So. There's some that the chat room are riffing on the idea of uh, putting Mac Minis in Mac 2s. And, uh, and that all that sort of thing. So, so similar sort of ideas anyway. Uh, well, that, that's pretty much it for Sonic Talk uh, 345. As uh, we exit uh, in a true 5-4 fashion, I'll see if I can do that uh, without getting busted by YouTube uh, before the music comes in. So, once again, thanks very much for watching, everybody. Uh, back again on February the 5th. In the meantime, do enjoy our NAM coverage, and we will do our best for you. I'm going to hit the button now and then fade to black. <laughs>